I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love. In this week's episode, we will be discussing crimes of the heart, how to avoid heartbreak, and how to play it safe while dating online. First dates can be scary for multiple reasons, but there are plenty of ways and precautions to take to protect ourselves. Today's guest is the author of the new book, Capable, and former Massachusetts State Police Captain Buddy Sicardo. He's going to share with us what he's learned as a trooper and how we can put a safety system in place so we can stop worrying and start having some fun. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Buddy Sicardo is a retired state police captain. He served on the state police, on the MBTA police department, and even did security for the Boston Red Sox for eight years. We'll be talking about his career, safety, and the motivation behind his upcoming book, Capable. Welcome, Buddy. Thanks so much for being here. Well, it's great to be here on a beautiful day in downtown Hingham. (laughs) Now, in the spirit of love, I have to mention that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Fun fact... Buddy introduced my parents to each other. My mom used to work at the State House where you had a regular detail, and my dad would drop by to visit you because you both grew up together. And your wife, Marianne, and yourself are my sister Erin's God's parents, and my dad is your daughter Lisa's godfather. Please note that I've known Buddy my whole life, and for my listeners around the world, I trust his advice explicitly. Coming from Dorchester, it becomes very incestuous with the relationships. I think your father was coming in here to check your future mother. <laughs> so today we're going to address concerns women have about online dating. And before I ask for your advice on safety protocols and what measures we should take, before we jump into this line of questioning, buddy, can I get you some water or a cup of coffee? I have some water right here. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's what they do in the movies. You know, they sit you down with a cup of coffee. I have to ask, are you wearing a wire? No. (laughs) (laughs) I have no wires on me anymore. Thank you. Forget about the Winter Hill gang. I've got a lot of angry exes out there, so (laughs) no fewer. Well, I don't have any exes out there, but some people people are going to be angry after this book comes out. (laughs) All right. So... Buddy, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what your driving force is for your upcoming book, Capable? Was this a labor of love? Um, in actuality, I started reading and watching all about uh, the Winter Hill Gang, and I had experience with a lot of them going back to 1970, 74. And I started noticing these women that were murdered by uh, the Winter Hill Gang and the so-called mafia in Boston. And there was very light reporting. So I started doing research uh, and delved into some interesting cases, most of them unsolved, uh, involving women that were killed, and particularly Johnny Monterano, who in himself has admitted and confessed to 20 murders himself as a result of having a plea agreement back in 1998. And he walks the street today, if I'm not concerned. You know, he's a threat. He's still a threat. And I think there were some murders out there that are still unsolved, not necessarily regarding him, but... They're out there. Well, I think it's a really honorable thing what you're doing, that karmically you're trying to give some peace to the families and right the wrongs of the past. Yes, I'd say so. Uh, in the, there were so many books and reportage out there about the so-called bad guys, such as uh, Jimmy Bulger 
and there's a criminal socialist, Steve Fleming, as well, and, doc, and the documented hitman for the mob named Johnny Monterano, all well-known so, uh, so-called organized crime mobsters affiliated with the legendary leader of the Boston Mafia, Jerry Angulo. But what was less documented were those innocent women who were killed because they knew too much about their killers. The mentioned gangsters killed over 40 innocent men and women or, or more through the years, beginning in the 1960s right up until and into the 80s. A legitimate wise guy does not want to leave a legacy or a reputation of killing women, especially women they may be involved with in a romantic relationship. John Moderano was the most proficient in his homicidal tendencies as a result of a plea agreement, as I mentioned, in 1998 with the United States Attorney's Office in Boston. He, he confessed to those 20 murders and he was directly involved in at least one murder of a black female and indirectly involved in two other murders of local Boston women. I listened to your podcast, Capable, which I forgot to mention in the intro, that you also have this new podcast. And I can't get over your mind and the details that you remember. It's like it's like a steel trap up there. It's, it's fascinating. But I guess when you're in this line of work, you know, you have every detail you have to focus on, because if you don't, you can be killed. I mean, so you literally go to work, faced with danger, and that's why I thought this would be a wonderful podcast that we could discuss fear, being smart, using your head, and and what, what we should do to date safely. So you learn to be calm and collected during these high times of stress. Do you think this is something you were born with, or... Did these skills come with all the training on the job? Uh, I believe it was innate uh, with regards to that. And my training in the military, in the Marine Corps, and my state police training uh, certainly helped with trying to deal with the stress level with uh, doing the uh, job as a state trooper. We, we all go through that. Uh, when I say we troopers, former troopers, and um, it's a daily occurrence. You don't know you're going to wake up in that morning if you're going to get home that night. I want to talk about fear, and I want to dismantle the fear around online dating. But when someone feels fear, or you know, you you're you're somewhere and you you become fearful, would your advice be to listen to your gut, forget about being polite, and just get out of there? And yeah, um, every situation is different. If you're talking about females uh, out the dating scene, I'd listen to uh, my gut and. Be aware of your surroundings, who you're with. I'm always skeptical of everybody. I don't care who they are. Uh, and I guess maybe because of the police training, and I'm always watching uh, for something to go wrong. And, yeah. And primarily when I go to a place or a restaurant or a bar, I always sit with my back to the, to the wall just in case. Uh, yeah. You might think it's crazy, but... Uh, no, I've watched you in action where I remember I was doing a shoot and I went to find you at the um, JetBlue Park and you were on detail, but you wouldn't know it because you were in plain clothes and you had your back up against the wall, the cement wall. And I was like, buddy, listen to who I just, I think I shot uh, uh, Ellsbury. I think I just had photographed Jacoby Ellsbury. And I was all excited and I was done for the day. And you were listening to me, but you were staring straight ahead. And I kept saying, and, and you know, you didn't really answer me. You were kind of like, I don't know why you don't stay with me and Marianne down here. And, um, and, and I said, no, we're heading to Miami tomorrow, whatever. And I, I keep telling you about the shoot. And then all of a sudden you were gone. And, then, and I, I watched you literally take four guys down to the ground and drag someone out by his neck in two seconds flat. And I was like, what just happened? But like, 
you uh, you went so fast. You knew an altercation was going to happen, and all of a sudden, these grown men are just sprawled out all over the. Like I just was like, okay, well that's buddy, and that's how you. That's that's who you are. I mean, you you do have your eyes on on their environment. You know, where you are. That was just the ball players. You see, we used to see what I do with the fans. <laughs> no, those are the fans. <laughs> so let's talk about red flags. People tend to ignore red flags. And why is that? I was the master of making excuses for, for red flags until I learned. And now I have a PhD in narcissism. And, but I feel like people pry on nice people and it's more normal than not to turn a blind eye when we spot the signs when that little buzzer goes off in our head we make excuses how did you use red flags or people ignoring red flags in your police work well as i say i was very skeptical people i came in contact with including other police officers uh, until i got to know them a little bit better and um you know we did when you're in uniform, it's a lot different when you're dealing with the public, but you have to be very careful when you're approaching the car and you don't know what's going on. And there were some very good troopers who have lost their lives, even though they were very official and very uh, uh, efficient in the way they handle a motorist. Because you're out there all by yourself. Dealing with in plain clothes is a little bit de- different because I was always more or less uh, trying to do things undercover. So I was more trying to be aware of my surroundings with regard to who's going to come over and challenge me oh. while I was doing a surveillance. Right. I wasn't worried about the guy who was surveilling because most of your bookies, they're, 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 they're like a clock. They're right on time. Wow, interesting. So the chief of police for Hingham, actually, I bought the house across the street from him. And this is where I, he's passed. He's, um, rest in peace. He was wonderful. And I didn't know I bought the house across the street from the chief of police in Hingham. I just wanted the house in the studio. And so we move in and we had friends helping and someone had a bottle of wine and we didn't know where anything like a bottle, like a wine opener was. So I run across the street just totally innocently, knock on the police, police chief's door. And I'm like, do you have a wine bottle opener that I can borrow? And he was like, hi, Carrie Brett. I pulled you over on Gardner Street when you were 17 years old. And I was like, What? And it was just really kind of funny that it it struck me. But what he did, because I had a brand new baby, and I would have the baby monitor, and I would work so much to you know pay for this place. So I was working like you know six in the morning till eleven o'clock at, at at night, and he would watch me. Like he, I had this wonderful protector, and I have um, there's a single. There was a single woman on either side of me, and he watched all three of our, our our properties. And I just always thought that was so sweet that he was always looking out. And I would imagine, you know, when you're off the clock, that still doesn't change. It's just who you are. No, it doesn't. Did you get the opener? <laughs> Did I get the opener? <laughs> yeah. He had one. <laughs> See? That's good. Did you invite him over for a drink? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I mean, I was so young, and I, I mean, I had a brand new baby. I, that wasn't... You know, I didn't even think, but it was kind of a funny story. So I want to talk about my tip-offs, and you can weigh in if you want. And so this is my advice for dating, because I know a lot of people have fear. And when I was on Tinder, people were like, are you crazy? And people just didn't know much about it. But I believed fundamentally people are good, and that there's just a few bad apples in the bunch that give 
online dating a bad name. So these are some of my tips. Always tell someone, at least one person, when you go on a date. Let a friend or family member know where you're going and when you expect to get home. And so all you have to do is send a simple text back that you're home safe and sound. And I've heard people going to the extent of taking screenshots of the person that they're going out with and sending it to their friends so that they have a detailed description of what the person looks like. I guess you'd call this surveillance. Do you you want to weigh in? Do you think, do you have any suggestions or do you think this is just being overly cautious? I I don't think you can ever be overly cautious. You can be overly paranoid. Tough for a guy my age and who has four children, two daughters and granddaughters. And I'm, I'm always worried about them. And I did worry about my, my kids, all of them, when they went out. And hopefully they come back safely. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, one didn't. I lost a son uh, 23 uh, years ago to a car accident. And uh, uh, that lives with you forever. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it gets a little better every day. But so, you know, for you gals out there that are interested in online dating, uh, Remember your mother and fathers. Uh, don't make them any worse, yeah. more, more nervous than they need to really be. Right. And so this show is about living in the present moment and being grateful for every day and every opportunity. And, um, you know, life goes by. And this, this pandemic is showing us, too. And, and what I was really trying to get at earlier is that people, you know, you get closure. There's no closure. Right. Uh, there never is, uh, especially when you use a, lose a child or a loved one. Right. Well, Mark lived every single day like it was his last. You know, he really did. And um, some people can pack a incredible life in a short time, and he was one of those people. He was, he was something. And um, all the wonderful things that you did as a father, um, that doesn't go unseen for sure. Thank you. So I want to talk about another tip. Um, my friend did this one time. She, her friend was in Florida on a date, and she had her Find My Friend app. And she was like, oh, there she is. She's over here, and now she's at this place. And I thought it was so amazing. I didn't, I didn't even know that app. I don't even use it. But there is a Find My Friends app that you can turn on so that your friends know where you are when you're out dating. And now with the pandemic, people aren't going to bars. Um, they're going on walk and talk dates. They're meeting in, you know, in daylight at a park. Um, but, you know, you don't even have GPS on your phone, buddy. You have a flip phone, so no one can find you. No, especially the FBI after this book comes out. <laughs> so let's talk about generalizing and sizing people up. And we always create theories And we make decisions based on where they grew up and where they went to school. And I was guilty of this. Like, so my uncle Jim went to American university and my boyfriend went there as well. And I know you have to be really intelligent to get into that school. And so when I looked at it, looked at his profile, I was like, well, he's on the South shore. He looks nice. And he went to, you know, a fancy college. So he must be doing something right. And that's, that was my initial but I'll be honest, I always was so nervous on dates, and it was a really cold night when we went out, and I had a jacket I shouldn't have been wearing. I should have been wearing a heavier coat. And he was like Harry Grant. He brought two pairs of gloves. He had a pair of gloves, and he had an extra pair of gloves for me. And this is like, he's really nice like that. And what did I think? As he hands me the gloves, we're walking by an alley in Boston, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm out with O.J. Simpson. Like, 
he's got a second pair of gloves. Like what? And he's like, it's freezing out. It's below zero. Here's a pair of gloves. And I always thought that was kind of funny because how did I take such a sweet situation and just make it so warped? Yeah. It's so scary, yeah, sure. but your mind runs away with you. It can when you're on dates in Boston and it's a perfect stranger. Let's be real. You're going out, you're getting in a, for me, I was getting in a car in an Uber with a perfect stranger, dropping me off to meet another stranger, getting back in another Uber with, I mean, you know, it, you can, your mind runs away with you. But again, I, th- those are the few bad apples in the bunch. A suspect who acts without conscience is called, and this is what you have the the knowledge in, is a sociopath. And there are people out there who lack responsibility. And seeing people's other perspective, like seeing their perspective is a skill. Do you think we can sharpen these tools in our toolbox? When you were doing surveillance or wiretapping someone, how much did you predict and how much did the outcome surprise you? Let me get back to this boyfriend. He makes all of the guys look bad. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I so, finally uh, had to find a nice one. <laughs> I went through enough. <laughs> I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> In any event. Well, he went out and uh, bought you this. He went to like two liquor stores this morning to get you the, the Stella. I didn't know oh, it was geez. so rare. but Tell him thank you. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss how to gather information from people's gestures, understand nonverbal cues, and use basic common sense while dating. This episode of Shot at Love is brought to you by Akal Chai Rum. Akal Chai Rum is the world's first botanical rum. Recognized by the government of Trinidad and Tobago as having the first new production process for rum in over a century. Akal Chai Rum is an officially protected trade secret. Only the second such protected process in the Caribbean since the famed Angostura bitters by Don Carlos Siegert in the 1870s. Akal Chai Rum is available in 44 U.S. states on chairum.com. Also available in the Republic of Ireland on stuffyouneed.com. Try some today. We're back with the capable author and the host of the capable podcast, Buddy Sicardo. So let's talk about, I'm, I'm always trying to reframe it to dating, but sometimes on a date, a person will show you their true colors. And I've had this happen to me where I had someone jump ugly real fast on a date and it was scary to me, like how rude this person was. And I remember thinking to myself, as handsome and as nice as this person appears, what if I'm, I'm that person in the line of fire the next time? And so I've had that happen on a first date where you see people's true colors, whether they speak rudely to a waiter, they snap at someone who is parking their car. Maybe this person's shifty, frequently looking at their watch, they're stressed, continually looking at their phone. Gestures are valid, and the key is understanding the meaning of these nonverbal cues. Buddy, I'm sure you've learned an awful lot about body language. Can you share some insight or some stories that you have from your, from your career in police work? Well, when I talk to people, I like to look them straight in the eye. And just one quick uh, off the job, I, work, I once worked for a man who wasn't talking. He always looked down or to the left or the right. He was a nice fellow, but I never found him to be trustworthy. Just, just 
watch them and particularly watch yourself uh, wherever you are. And I think it's always better if you go out uh, to go out with a couple of uh, other other gals. But it seems to in the new this generation now, because I can see it in my my grandkids, that there's a lot of guys and gals that are friends, that just friends, and they go out together. And they're not dating or anything like that. And that was not in my day. You didn't have, you had a, maybe had a girlfriend, but you didn't have a girl as a friend. Right. And so, oh, that's so interesting. And this is a little bit different today. And I like it. I absolutely like that. Right. Uh, travel in packs. Tra- travel, you know, with, with, the, with the group. And, and my, my, my grandkids are always going to parties at their friend's house. And, you know, they're not going out. And only one of them is eligible to drink. But <clears throat> the other uh, two that aren't may or may not have a cocktail. But that's, that's up to their parents to worry about that. But, um, yeah, I, I think today's generation, you got guys and gals. And, but it, it, it'll change. Things have changed totally. So... My advice would be, and this is pre-pandemic, you know, know the bar or restaurant that you're going to. Know your surroundings, know the bartender. So that way, if you got up to go to the ladies' room, no one's putting something in your drink. And so now my advice, you know, this is a whole new way of dating right now. But it will go back to, you know, hopefully soon we will be out dating in the normal places that we did before. My dad would always say, use your head. And... I think what I see with my daughter, she's 17, is that young people are always looking down at their phone. And so if you're walking down a dark street to go meet someone and you're looking down at your phone, that's, or you're walking through a dark parking lot with your head down texting, that's just not smart because you need to know your surroundings at all times. And I'm not trying to say that to be fear. I'm just saying that's common sense. That's logic and judgment. And I wouldn't keep my car unlocked if my camera equipment was in there. And I wouldn't leave my house open if I was going away for a week. So it's, it sounds very basic, and, but sometimes there are certain things that people do on a date that just isn't the best. And so I want to talk, I talk about it because um, I think it's important sometimes because people might second take, you know, if they can do... They don't text in the dark while they're walking. You know, that keeps them a little bit safer. In your book, Capable, you chronicled these unsolved mysteries. And there has to be these signs that they not take certain precautions. Like you said, we're trusting taking a ride home at 3 and 4 in the morning. Or, I mean, domestic violence and violence behavior with between men and women are on are a huge problem today and it's on the rise and people don't feel like they can get out. And then by the time they can get out, it costs them their lives. I, th- I think what happens is the level of fear gets so numbed. There was a woman who called the domestic violence line and, and she said, I need to come back to the shelter. And they said, are you in danger? And he had a gun outside the door, but because he wasn't inside the room with the gun, she said, no, I'm not in danger. And that just shows the level of fear that gets so um, destroyed that, that when you're in something so unhealthy for so long, that's the psyche. And, and, it's, and until you study it enough or know people who've gone through it, because it is an epidemic. I mean, it's, it's really sad. Which leads me to my last question, which I think... I've, this is what I found when I'm helping people dating or clients that I've helped, is that people are so invested in the outcome 
that they ignore the red flags. And I'll say, you know, this doesn't add up. These are signs that are very clear to me because I have no investment in this outcome other than their happiness. People become resistant when I point out the red flags. So then I need to take a step back and let it play out. And I would imagine you've had to navigate this a lot, this back and forth. And you already know how things are going to play out. How did you deal with that in your career? It must have been so frustrating. Well, I'm usually very straightforward with guys and good guys in the bed. And I've told some people, don't make your problem my problem, but in law enforcement, but dealing with people you deal with in someone like an alcoholic listening to his, his or her sponsor. The alcoholic does not want to hear or he or she has to conform to the 12 steps in order to achieve sobriety. I'm not saying this is analogous to domestic violence, but they just don't want to hear the story. In dealing with that type of a situation, you're on your own. It's common sense because they don't teach this stuff, at least not when I went on the job. Buddy, thank you so much for teaching us to listen to our intuition, how to stay safe, and the difference between worry and fear. The release date for Capable is 2021. Do you have any social media outlets you'd like to include or Mark's Foundation? Um, we, we usually have a golf tournament every year. This year would have been the 23rd, but of course, because of COVID, we didn't. And this money goes to um, graduate Weymouth High, which Mark was, and then went on to BC via George Washington University. <laughs> he spent mm-hmm. a year out there and then came to BC. In any event, we uh, it's very difficult for uh, kids, uh, middle class uh, in particular, to afford the $60,000, $70,000 tuition. So we try to give them as much as we can, four or $5,000, and basically and then we have an endowment at BC that uh, we threw a lot of our money at the outset of fundraising. It's not a lot. It's about $180,000, and those that money is for particularly Weymouth uh, residents that are going to go to BC Nights. Uh, it's now called the Wood School of Advancing Studies. This golf tournament is, uh, has been very successful for a little, you know, a, a town in Weymouth uh, to have all uh, Mark's friends and others and my sons and my daughter's friends and my friends to come to the tournament every year. We, all, we have 140 golfers almost every year. Mm. So I, if anybody that's listening out there, thank you. We appreciate your support, and hopefully we'll have uh, another tournament next year in 2021. Well, Mark had tons of friends and was loved by all, and friends are important, and what a special way to continue his legacy. And I'm so grateful to have friends like you, buddy, and thank you so much for being on Shot of Love today. Okay, you're going to start crying? (laughs) You're you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And for now, this week's Tinder Tips. Number one, rejection will always bring hostility. Don't fear the one who's sending threatening texts. Something like, you'll never find anyone as good as me or no one will ever love you. They're just words. Number two, the most common crime is not believing in yourself or believing you're not worthy of love because you are. Number three, don't let fear of the unknown or fear in general rule your decisions around dating. There's a whole big world out there. Don't let the feelings of being afraid rob you of all the amazing opportunities out there. Number four, do you have the self-protection to truly protect yourself? Do you have you? If you don't have your own back, that is the real crime of the heart. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for, to help you find love. 
Keep up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. Remember to stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. If you like this show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time. Oh,